The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Welcome to episode number 327 of On the Court of the Official PitcherList.com podcast. I'm your host, Alex West, joined as always by the gracious Nick Pollock. Nick, how you doing? What is happening? Why am I gracious, Fast? I saw what you were saying on the Twitch stream today, which Nick does every day on Monday as he compiles the list for about four hours. You should check it out on twitch.tv backslash PitcherList. And you were talking to the chat about how gracious you felt towards all of their love and affection and support and how, you know, all the nice things that we're saying about what you've done for the sense of community and you were expressing a lot of gratitude to them. Oh, uh, I mean, I feel incredibly lucky to have the listeners that we do and the people that support Pitcherless and to create an environment that isn't, you know, alpha male toxic and just, you know, beating our chest all the time. Like, no, we know this is about good discussion and talking about the thing that we love and to treat people well and, I feel very lucky to uh, to have this community. So yeah, thank you all. Welcome to the beta cast, baby. I <laughs> <laughs> uh, and as a beta, I will say please, please go rate and review. Not just on the corner, but the Nick and Alex baseball show on Apple. We just released that podcast feed earlier this month. And it's an amazing show. Uh, the last time I'll be on the main fantasy baseball. Uh, podcast feed is tomorrow so if you want to hear that one which is literally my favorite thing that i do now with pitcher list uh you gotta go subscribe to that feed leave a re- rating leave a review go do that go do that you should tune in tomorrow night also as usual we're taking suggestions segments that you might like to hear ways in which we can make the show a little bit better to me i'm not gonna lie i'm gonna be honest because we're always honest here I don't. Oh, yeah. I I enjoy doing the show, but I hate the sense of not knowing if people are digging it or not because it's so kind of out of our um, yeah. out of our element. You know what I mean? Because I'm so used to being like, "Hey, let me tell you information about this one person," and I'm so not used to like. I keep having to remember that there are podcasts in which people just talk. And I, yeah, like, right. I, That's I, I, what I, a like, typical podcast is. Fast. <laughs> I know, but I don't listen to any of them. I don't listen to any <laughs> podcast. I don't. I'm sorry. I just don't. I just not my kind of thing. I can't do it while I drive because I because huh. I start to focus on it too much, and then yeah. I'm like, oh, I'm on a freeway, uh, yep. so I, I can't listen to uh, <laughs> I can't listen to podcasts. Um, all right. Uh, so please tune in tomorrow. But now 
that's not this show. This show no. is ranking the top 100 as is released every single Monday. And before we begin, you should be reading the notes. Uh, Nick made sure I did. There's a lot of green and red, if not solely for the fact that we've got a slew of arms returning this week. Yes, we do. Uh, we have Clayton Kershaw. We have Shane Boz. We have Mike Clevenger, Joe Ryan. I also needed to move up uh, some significant names that we'll get into later. Uh, but because of that, you see more red than you see green this week. And I know I understand the psychological impact of seeing your guy that just had a good game see a negative six next to him. And it's just what? Is this, it feels like it's so arbitrary how Nick makes the list. It's not the rankings, the numbers on the far right and the far left don't mean nothing. What matter are the players around it. And once you understand like, oh yeah, right. I would have that guy above that guy then. All right, then. Then we're good. The rules are made up and the numbers don't matter. Neither do the names of the tiers. So we're going (laughs) to hop right into it. No changes for, I believe, the third consecutive week in the top tier, which is one, two, and three, Burns, Cole, and Gaussman. What's it called? Why is it called that? Um, This is called, uh, this is called Coca-Cola because you don't want it to change. Oh, very lovely. Uh, uh, Nick was feeling very uh, intimidated before he was going to look up nouns because he was worried that he was relying too much on. <laughs> no, not nouns, food. just categories. Google, show me categories. Pretty uh, much. That, I'm done, that, yes. that cracks me up. We're going to move into tier two because if you have uh, Burns, Cole, and Galspin, you're probably holding on to him. Uh, Joe Musgrove, Carlos Rodon, Justin Verlander, Shane McClanahan, Sandy Alcantara, Alec Manoa, Zach Wheeler. What's it called? Why is it called that? And then I have a question for you. I'm going to call them the ancient wonders of the world because there are seven of them and mm. you aren't likely lucky enough to go and visit all seven. Meaning like you can't see all seven pitch over the course of a season? You can't have all seven on your team. Uh, oh, okay, okay. I was going to say, you, you underestimate people on how they travel. Now, <laughs> there's there's not a lot of, there's no change in the list. Uh, so I'm going to, I want to, I want to poke a little hole. Um, I, I, again, this is second back-to-back weeks in which I am vying for a higher spot for Sandy Alcantara. The reason oh, that I have here. Wild to me. Yeah, sure. Go ahead. The, the reason that I have here, because we're always about forward thinking with the list. You're thinking uh-huh. about who's going to be great. I have no doubts in McClanahan's ability or really Verlander Rodon. Yeah. Um, the only thing though is all three of those guys, I cannot see surpassing 150, 160 innings mm. or Sandy Alcantara, you know, you're assuming injury for us. This is true for all these guys. You're likely locked in for 200 Verlander. You know, you're probably capped with, with the Tommy John stuff. Maybe they shut him down for August to keep him for the playoffs, but I would be very surprised if he throws like 180, 190. He's a free. Is he a free agent? He might be his last year there. So uh, I think it's a two year deal. Actually. Well, it's 25 million for maybe a year. I mean, the way I see it, it's the Astros who like, no, Verlander, you're like old enough and you have to be able to deal with this. I don't I don't actually think the Astros will shut down Justin Verlander this year. And I don't really think the race can afford to slow down Gene McClanahan either. Um, but that's not really the point for me. I, 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 I've I seen this actually a decent amount today. I think a lot of people expected me, especially considering my massive Sandy crush for, mm. for a long time now, to push up Alcantara. And the reason I haven't is because Sandy Alcantara, I, I love the guy. And if there's anyone that has watched more than me, it must be a diehard uh, Miami Marlins fan. I will be the first to tell you that he hasn't actually like 
fully soared yet. I mean, the 14K game against Atlanta, yes. But Sandy Alcantara at his peak, I don't think I even really saw that against the Giants. Um, 111 pitches for seven innings, I think kind of tells it to you. Peak Sandy Alcantara gets through seven with 90. Um, I suppose 111. So I understand, like the early in this early in the season, we had these games of four walks and five earned against the Mariners. Mm-hmm. We had earlier on in the season five walks in opening day um, and five innings against the Giants. And that part of him isn't so distant to now because he's not always as precise as I want with all of his stuff. He is better now, and you guys all recognize how amazing he is. Uh, seven, 14, and eight strikeout totals in those last three games, a hundred plus pitches for his last four. It's, I mean, 99 was the one before that, but I do recognize that it's not peak command Sandy Alcantara. And the fact remains, those other guys are still really good. Carlos Rodon, for all you want to say about him, just had six Ks and one and run in one walk against the Phillies. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's a really good offense. And he just, he did this thing. So I didn't feel right knocking down the others while I didn't think that Alcantara was at his peak. But yeah, I mean, if he, you know, does this another week, I'm going to be like, sweet, dope, go up there. You know, like, it's just one of those things where I didn't feel compelled to move him. I guess the the counter that I would make is, I, I hear what you're saying. You're right. I mean, like, you know, fine. If you want to say that his peak could theoretically be, you know, eight innings with 10 strikeouts and no one runs or whatever it is, regardless of that, in the same five start span, uh, what is it? Five start, one, two, three, four, five. He's gone 39 yeah. innings, 39 innings to Shane McClanahan's 32. Shane McClanahan has gotten to the seventh twice this season, three times this season. Uh, and that's as many times as Sandy has gotten to the hey, eighth. Very, um, very fair. And maybe I should have put up Sandy. I uh, generally, when I talk about the top 10, it has to be something where I think, oh, they are they themselves are exactly what I want them to be. And they're doing that. And for whatever reason, I just didn't, I didn't feel that with Sandy necessarily, which is crazy because he's going so deep into these games and it's great. Um, Yeah. It's a good conversation to be had either way, mm-hmm. uh, but we can move on out to tier three, which is chock block with a bunch of red and uh, orange, orange. Oh my God. I think it's wow. Um, uh, wow. Tier three, Lucas Giolito, Max Reed, Pablo Lopez, Chris Bassett, Frankie Montes, Shane Bieber, Luis Severino, my boy, Derek uh, in the top 20, uh, Nestor Cortez, Robbie Ray, Aaron Nola, Dylan Cease, and Clayton Kershaw. What's it called? Why is it called that? Okay. So, Funny story, uh, I'm reading these like categories thing on the right, just just like maybe this will help. And I saw something that I thought I read it as cups of meat. And it was what I said. <laughs> cut. Cut. Okay, yeah. That, that makes me a little less scared. <laughs> cups of meat. I mean, I kind of want to call this tier now cups of meat because it's like small servings of the steak of the real deal. You know, it's not a full Call it hors d'oeuvres. Call it crudite. No, it's, call cup, it cups, it's of cups of meat. Right. They're the delicious, but you know, you want, you want that extra element, you know? 
God, what a cup of more. meat. That's like <laughs> the worst name you could call like a human. Like you're just a cup of meat. That's so gross. I really hate this. Um, the one guy, real quick, there might be other. There's two guys actually that I wanted to talk about in this tier. The first is Shane Bieber. Now, I'm not going to go on a victory lap about Shane Bieber because I don't really care about victory laps. But I am going to say that he saw all of the hate that he was getting when his velocity was down and the RPM on his curveball was failing. And he proved a lot of people wrong. There was so much doom and gloom with a lot of those early numbers. And while, yes, I don't know if you could say he's been absolutely fantastic. He has been a very stable part of people's rotations, aside from that one blow up against the Blue Jays. 70% of his starts have been quality starts. Double-digit strikeouts in his past two starts. He picked up 14 whiffs on that slider last week against the Orioles. They like to swing a lot, but still really great to see. Do the recent improvements that he's been making in whiffs make you think that that K rate can start to trend a little bit closer up to 30 again as it's stuck at around 25 right now? Yeah, um, so Shane Bieber, it, it's a weird situation for me because on one hand, as you mentioned, the slider is has woken up. Uh, you know, swing strike rate is insane on that around 24% for the year. Shane Bieber slider. So good. Um, I, I have a worry still that, uh, you know, when he isn't facing the Tigers and the Orioles as he was in the last three games, I mean, sure. He's done it pretty well over other teams as well. Oakland, uh, Minnesota, uh, the White Sox are bad against right-handers and the Royals. And yeah, he's going to face a lot of these weak AL Central teams through the season. And I absolutely grasp that. The uh, The floor has been lowered is the problem. And I love the fact that the slider's finally woken up. But the fastball still being at 90-91 as opposed to 93-94 uh, is a huge deal. And he's allowing more hard contact than ever before on that four-seamer. Um, I don't know if he's going to stay at this level. This looks like it's prime Shane Bieber at the moment with 21 strikeouts in two of his last three games. I mean, that's insane. I think it's actually a prime sell high because of that. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying that he can't strike out guys a lot. I'm saying that he is more susceptible to the disaster start than ever before. And I think given enough time, you're going to see a good amount of that. I did raise up Bieber because, yeah, those strikeouts are very legit. But I'm at 16 now. Didn't really expect myself to do that. But, yeah, I recognize that. And, hey, he could keep rising if he keeps avoiding it. You know, he goes against decent opponents and the fastball is not getting crushed. And, okay, well, you know what? I am I didn't expect that, but that's what's happening. So, great. Um, but right now, I'm still a little bit cautious. Uh, since... You bring up an interesting thing. I was like, you 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 talk about an offense, and then I per- like always want to think like, okay, is there a sample size bias? Is this offense have they been good? Let's take a look at their numbers. So I was taking a look at some of the numbers um, since May first. Okay, so what I want to know from you, uh, Nicholas Pollock, there are four teams <laughs> since May first. Yeah, with a only four with a sub three hundred woba. Who are the four teams? This is this uh, for two of them. It's not really a trick question. I mean, the Tigers. That's that they have the lowest woba in between May and now at two fifty eight. Um, I, I want to say the Pirates, but they just beat up the Dodgers. Three oh one. Uh, I mean, yeah, but okay. I I don't know your Orioles. Nope, they're three oh four. Okay. Um, you said another one very a second ago. Oh, the Royals. Uh, no, no, no. Oakland. No, okay. Oh, Oakland. Oakland. Yeah, sure. Oakland. Duh. 
Two more. Um, These are surprising. I, I I don't know who we got. Tampa Bay. Okay. 288 and San uh-huh. Diego. Oh, yeah. San Diego, I know. I should have gone San Diego. That's yeah. that's wild, man. That is yep. wild stuff. Um, <laughs> I mean, I always, right. I, I'm always very weirded out by those, but I, I never, I don't know the solution of like, what is a hot team? How should mm-hmm. we be assessing strength of, of lineup? And it's, it's why for the most part, I just kind of keep my assessments from early on until I change it maybe halfway through because yeah, sure. This one player is doing poorly, but we know that this team is good or bad. You know what I mean? It, it, it gets kind of weird. Uh, yeah. maybe it's just a couple like a good weekend or a team scores 23 runs for whatever reason in one day and now that shifts all this stuff you know it's it can be very strange I, I i i mean people guide me please send me tweets and let me know how i should be treating uh opponent's strength yeah it's tough it's tough there's no right answer to it um the other guy i want to talk about in this tier is nestor cortez who is coming in hot right now at 19 dare i say the highest nestor cortez has ever been on any pitcher list list ever without a doubt without a doubt here he is he rises 10 up to number 19 so i mean personally i don't think we've spent nearly enough time talking about him a guy who's quite literally right now uh come come the arstall break all-star break all-star all-star break well i even tried to mess it up when i just said it and then for some reason got it right. uh he will likely be a a uh a cy young contender he's given up three runs just one start. Every other start is fewer than. Uh, he leads Major League Baseball in ERA. I think the question I have for you most is, and I, I hate to do this because I'm not trying to downplay Nestor, who I think has been a fantastic story and super fun to watch, but a 10% swinging strike rate and a 30% K rate is a is a pretty noticeable gap, right? Yep. The quick math usually for us that I know happens in the community a lot is like if you double the swinging strike rate, or even if you one and a half, it should theoretically be close to the K rate. Yeah, but double. Double is pretty much my rule. Yeah. So there you go. So yes, double it. So it's double to 2.5 is what I normally 2.5 is the extremity. Or yeah. I wrote about the, it in the old uh, put away rate article, I think. There you go. Two, I think 2.5 is kind of where you want to go. So even when you do that, you're still Del 25. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So it's not mm-hmm. great. The 239 Babip compared to 282 on the year, the 7% home run to fly ball rate. Are are you are you selling? Are you sticking around and enjoying the ride for what's shaping up to be a really fun season? What are you doing with Nestor Cortez? I would like to sell um, because I think some are expecting this to ride the entire way through. At the same time, I mean, I was doing the list today and just thought, yeah, why would I have Cortez over guys that haven't actually done the thing yet? You know, like Robbie Wright, Aaron Nola, Dylan Cease, are we all are good. But they have been struggling, and it's a, it's a note of just, you know what? If you have Nestor Cortez, you are not trading him away right now for Dylan C's. I know, I know the fantasy manager. You're just not going to do it. Nestor Cortez has been carrying you, and that's just how it is right now. I And, and I think you can kind of hurt yourself getting too big brain about it at this point. It, it feels right, though, but it's like you just can't do it. I don't know what to say. I... He's been on such a tear with it. His cutter and, and fastball command have been really, really amazing. Um, the cutter is backdoor and uh, messing up a lefties away as well. Uh, the slider has gotten a ton of called strikes, 29%, which is insane. Um, and the four-seamer, I mean, it's just been a really effective pitch. He's lowered its hard contact from 25% last year, just to 20% this season. And 
the expected woba i'm seeing is 194 the expected average is 157 on it it's not like he's getting you know you know i see the 275 babbitt but it kind of just feels like no he's actually anything had bad luck on it um he's locked in i don't know how long it's going to be locked in for he was doing at the end of last season too so nestor cortez i mean at this point it's just i throw my hands up in the air and go whatever like it's june 6th i can't say no forever yeah and here we are we're two months in and he's still here all right, fine. Here you go. Enjoy your spot now. Robbie Ray uh, moved down four. Probably going to move him down a little bit more as the early returns so far against the Astros uh, have not been pretty. Uh, but I guess I'll, I'll save that for uh, next week. Um, <laughs> let's move on to the next tier, tier four. Walker Bueller, Julio Urias, Zach Gallon, Shoya Otani, Logan Webb, Nathan Evaldi. What's it called? Why is it called that? Well, first of all, Robbie Ray's allowed three solo shots, which is or three home runs. Yeah, already, which is pretty hilarious to me. Okay. Mm-hmm. What is this one called? <laughs> it is called the uh, the sword and and uh, no, no, the sword. The um the the wooden spoon instrument. What dang it? What is it called? That instrument where it's like you got the spoon against the musical instruments going up and down, the, the clack clackety clack thing. This is the greatest tier name ever because if you think it starts at it's called the sword, no, not that. What's that wood thing? Like, I just want to see you know what I'm talking about. A t shirt, that entire thing hyphenated into into a tier. Okay, whatever. It's that. All right. Um, fine. I'm just gonna call it the banjo tier. I'm just gonna call it the banjo tier. Is it like waterboarding or something? Okay, not waterboarding. That's not waterboarding. <laughs> what? Waterboarding. I think boarding is in it. I'm pretty sure boarding is in it. Waterboarding? Boarding. You know what I'm talking about? I'm doing the motion of like, uh, yeah. you're just. Hey, right, Alex, how could we always called it? How could we always called it the murder room? Well, Nick talks about waterboarding. <laughs> um, all right, I want to talk something about. Boarding. Uh, oh, Help me fast. I know you know the answer and you're just not saying it. What are you talking about? Like the they like it's like in country like music, Disney? folk music, they've got the the wooden thing that they bang with the spoon. A wooden thing that they bang with a spoon. It looks I like a shutter. Wash- yeah, it's just called a washboard. Washboard. Okay, I was yeah. so far off. How dare I say water? I knew it was wrong. Nick, it was like I right love there. you to death, but <laughs> there's a large difference between waterboarding and I know. I just didn't remember it fast. Okay. And I was like, it's close to this. Help me out. And you left me hanging. Well, it's not usual that a form of torture Whatever. gets mentioned Whatever. on this Whatever. It's podcast. the banjo tier. Okay. It okay, is the great. banjo tier. <laughs> okay. Okay. Why? Why? Because it plays the music. You're going to listen to it, but you kind of want to listen to a guitar instead. Very nice. Okay. Very good. Julio Urias is the guy from this year. One of them that I wanted to talk about. This is very subjective because how to how do you even define what a dominant outing is, right? But he hasn't really had a dominant outing this year. Like his most dominant outing theoretically would be against Philadelphia, which was five innings pitch, no one runs, two hits, no walks, and five Ks. Very, very good. Maybe some people want to call it dominant. I don't call it dominant. But he struggled against the Pirates, as did virtually every Dodger starter for some reason. <laughs> and then he did okay against the Mets. The walk rate really heading in the wrong direction these past couple of starts too what do you make out for julio urias who drops five these this is really like a tier of like premium tobies who are you're going to keep starting them i mean it's still sub three era for urias it's a 112 whip 
K Ray's at 20% or so. You know, you see Bueller dropping 13 spots because he just doesn't have a strikeout rate anymore with zero whiffs on his four seamer and multiple starts already, right? Then I, you know, then you have Logan Webb who's going deeper into games, but he's not quite excelling at the level of what you're calling dominant, right? Gallon is in here now. Um, so Urias is still helpful. He's still good. You're going to start him pretty much every time out there because it's not quite dominant, but it's like, all right. I mean, it's, it's doing enough for me. And hey, it's the winning ball club that is the Dodgers. Just don't start Urias against the uh, the Pirates. Uh, Pirates. Four runs. Even though he had eight Ks, he had four runs and nine base runners. The other game, he had 11 hits and zero walks. So I uh, just don't start him against the Pirates, clearly. It's something crazy is going on in LA right now, man. The pitching has just been really suspect. If you're, as long as your name isn't Tony Gonsolin. Um, last week, we cautioned a little bit against what to do with Zach Gallen, as we didn't know if the change up and cutter whiffs were going to return and he was going to be great uh or if they were going to fade away and he was going to be kind of the same as what he's been and then he threw against the pirates of all teams and recorded one whiff across all of his changeups and cutters a little scary yeah it's uh not the gallon i want him to be i i still i don't know what it is I, i'm still holding on to the fact that uh, I mean, the fastball and curveball are still really good. The fastball is still great, located really well. Curveball is working. It's not like the 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 curveball, sorry, the the changeup and the cutter don't exist. Mm. They just aren't big players in these games right now. Um, and hopefully, he can get back to that. I mean, I still dream of the day when all four pitches come you know together and dominate once again. But uh, yeah, we're not there right now. I want to get there. Come on, Gallon. We love you. Uh, <laughs> let's move on to tier five. Um, uh, you Darvish, Eric Lauer, 32 is Luis Castillo, Kyle Wright, and Jose Barrios at 34. What's it called? And why is it called that? I'm going to call it tissue paper um, because you can see through it a little bit. And uh, But sometimes, hey, it's nice to to throw when you have a gift as like a as faux wrapping paper. It's like a nice little addition. Here's some t- tissue paper. But I can okay. see right through you. So today, MLB Trade Rumors published an article that was kind of like, hey, have the Brewers found their next ace in Eric Lauer? They're clearly not reading your SP roundups, which uh, I read it. And you talked about the drop in velocity, how he's not sitting 94 anymore. This has you a little bit worried that maybe this might not be sustainable for Eric Lauer over the course of a season. Um, Another sell high guy for you? Uh, I hate saying it because, I mean... You know how much I've been into getting Eric Lauer. And the fact that he's even sitting where he is now is just so much better than, hey, last pick in your draft. Just mm-hmm. hopefully he's decent, and that's cool. I It's not like the the earned run totals have been bad. Last four starts are 0 two, two, one. Great. But it hasn't been the overwhelming Eric Lauer. Just one strikeout against the Cardinals, six against the Cubs, and only four against the, the Padres. They are better against lefties, but still. And... I do wonder if the four-seamer can carry the load as much as it has in the past. The cutters and sliders haven't been as good. The fastball, Danny, yeah, down to 92 and a half, um, as opposed to 94, which is what got me so excited mm-hmm. at the beginning of the year. It's not like he's going to be detrimental to you. I don't think that Eric Lauer is going to be someone that you just don't like starting anymore. But those that see the 28% strike rate in a 238 ERA and think, oh, Eric Lauer is an absolute stud. Well, he hasn't been since really, uh, not September, May 14th. Um, mm. That was his fourth straight start of seven or more strikeouts, and he hasn't hit that total in his last four. 
So let's hope he can uh, turn it around. I'm not ready to give up and just completely jump ship, but he's not trending in the right direction. You made a great video um, earlier in the week about Luis Castillo and this dominant um, series that he had and how fantastic it was. And how does that man repay you? He doesn't come back with that four seam that he showcased two starts ago. You dropped him too, but what are you thinking about Luis Castillo? You know, this is this is so frustrating um, that, you know, everybody listening here does not subscribe to our YouTube channel. What is this now? Uh, but really, uh, Luis Castillo did the Blake Snell blueprint last week. It was so great. It was four seamer focus. He really, I think he threw six sinkers the entire start. Went four seamers up with sliders and changeups down. Like he did the thing I've been dreaming of forever. I always thought of Castillo more as an east west guy with fastballs, and he actually elevated with intent. So, what does he do in his most recent start against the Washington Nationals? Oh, let's just throw more sinkers. And not throw four seamers. And he allows 300 runs and 10 base runners and 6.2 innings. What? Driving me crazy, Castillo. You had it. You figured it out. And you, uh, so yeah, it's annoying. But I mean, this happens all the time. I don't know if this is a peak against Boston that won't be hit again. Mm-hmm. Or if it's a valley that he's just going through, right? It's hard to translate. One of the two. My instinct is to say that it, that was the peak because it was so rare. But, oh, man, you had it, dude. Do it again. Do it again. Um, you this A lot of people, I imagine, look at the list and they say, oh, okay, this is ridiculous. Nick doesn't know what he's talking about. He's gone. Uh, he's lost it. He's senile. Uh, oh. Jose Burrios strikes out 13 and he drops one. Well, that's probably because guys like Clayton Kershaw are coming back on the list, and that's why he's dropping one. Theoretically, he should have risen about four or five if the others got, these other guys aren't coming back. Um, what did you see out of Jose Burrios in this dominant seven innings pitch, two run runs, two walk, 13 strikeout game? I mean, I didn't raise him because I can't just all of a sudden say guys back for one start. Hmm. Uh, I mean, I can be more encouraging outside the top 50. I do this all the time or say, hey, he's starting to do the thing. And hopefully now this is the time you get in so that if it is happening, you don't be too late and miss the boat. But Brios is already rostered everywhere. So I'm not going to now say that he is there and it's not going to you know raise his value quite yet. But yeah, he's the great undulator, y'all. Uh, and his curveball got eight whiffs, his sinker got whiffs, his changeup was good in getting strikes. I mean, his curveball location was excellent, finally. Uh, mm-hmm. Down and away to righties, constantly, down at glove side. Uh, and that's that's what you want to see. If he's able to do that with consistency, I mean, he's going to do this. He earned a golden, sorry, King Cole in that game, 39% CSW, 19 whiffs. He is the great undulator. Mm-hmm. That was yes, it he you. is. He is something interesting that I saw about him today. He is bottom 10 in baseball in uh, Woba on two strike counts. Oh, that's actually, I, yeah. I saw that tweet of yours. I was like, ah, oh, this is going to be a Brios and a Tyler Anderson thing. Uh, I, it's funny. I wasn't even thinking about Tyler Anderson, but then I just went down another rabbit hole to see who the people I wanted to see like, oh, is he spending a lot of time in two strike counts? And he is. He's doing it about average, a little bit more than average. The pitcher who spent the most time in two strike counts so far this season is Brandon Woodruff, which I think is interesting. and just speaks Mm -hmm. to how ineffective he's been at putting guys away. Uh, Three and four are two Cardinals. Most time spent in two strike counts, Steven Matz and Miles Michaelis. Wow. Wow. Um, All right, let's move on to tier six. Shane Baz, Sean Manaya, number 37, Blake Snell, Logan Gilbert, 39, Joe Ryan. He's back. Mackenzie Gore and Tony Gonsolin. 
What's it called? What's it called? That I'm gonna say the 100 meter for freestyle because you look forward to all of these guys. Oh, it's, was that your favorite thing to watch at the Olympics? Everyone was like, "Oh, we gotta watch the 100 freestyle." It's like the exciting one. There's Michael Phelps and yeah, whoever. Sure. Like that's the one that everyone tuned in for. You know? Yes, yes, of course. So Shane Baz, he, he makes his return on this list. Uh, he just had a 10K performance down in the minor leagues. What are you expecting to see from Shane Baz? And are you starting him when he does get called up? In that first right. Part? So I have a thing called still ill, which is just a general rule for coming back from the IL that you wait one start because they're still injured list. It's an injured lay- layover, right? Um, I don't think it applies to Shane ba- Boz. And the reason that existed, it started way back in like 2015, 2016, when we had less information about rehab starts and where guys are and nowadays we know more i mean yeah as you mentioned 10 strikeouts and 4.1 innings sounds to me like the Rays are gonna let him go five innings so that's part of the whole still ill thing we don't know how many pitches he's gonna throw he just went 4.1 with 10 strikeouts okay is he up to snuff does he have his stuff back 10 strikeouts so yeah i think you're okay starting him uh, on saturday and the reason that shane boz is as high as he is at 35 is I sat down and thought, okay, preseason, this is around where Boz was, right? 35, maybe 40 or so on preseason rankings. And that's with the understanding of limited innings through the entire year. But now we're two months removed, and you don't have that same flag on Shane Boz. He's just going to start the rest of the year now. Mm-hmm. So why wouldn't I put him at 35? I would, that, that's... That sounds great to me when he doesn't have that restriction anymore. So, yeah, it might be one of the shakier ones in that first start back. But Shane Boz, I mean, he's excellent. And you're going to be really happy when he returns. Uh, Joe Ryan making his return from the COVID IL, a guy that I was super wrong on uh, as I didn't think his fastball was going to be enough to give him success over the course of the year. It turns out that slider is also pretty dang good too. Now he's got a 2.28 ERA sub one whip 25 or 24% K rate, but he's jumping back in at 39. Are you a little bit tepid or you think that that's where he should be? Regardless oh, I thought that was a little aggressive considering that we haven't seen him, you know, uh, he, he might be slow in that first start. Mm. Uh, but uh, but yeah, I mean, Joe Ryan, really good fastball, of course. And yeah, as you mentioned, that slider is getting a ton of strikes. Uh, 72% strike rate with a 33.5% CSW. You love to see it. Really good locations down in uh, glove side. Pretty much all sliders. I just want to see it always down in glove side. Just down in glove side all yeah. the time. Um, and he's doing a really good job with that. So uh, yeah, I feel good about Joe Ryan. He returns, slot back in and call it a day. All right, let's move on to the next year, Tier 7, 42 through 55. Mike Clevenger, Patrick Sandoval, Charlie Morton, Aaron Ashby, Tristan McKenzie, McKenzie, excuse me, Framber Valdez, Jamison Dion, Jordan Montgomery, Christian Javier, Tyler Anderson, Luis Garcia, George Kirby, Martin Perez, and Michael Kopech. What's it called? Why is it called that? It's called the Goosebumps tier because there's so many of them. But you got to <laughs> love some of them, right? Some of them be yeah, like, yeah, that yeah. is a good one. And others are like, ah. You <laughs> remember your favorite Goosebumps? Uh, there was like a, a stretch around like 45 plus or so okay. that I remember like I read each one of them and that was just, oh, these are so good. Uh, yeah, maybe the, I don't, I don't, mm, I don't remember my favorite one. Oh, oh, the legend of the living legend or the lost legend. Mm. That's where they go and find, try and find a legend of the forest and they finally find it. But then they realize that the legend is lost and now they're lost after they find it. Yeah, that's a good one. That's a good one. I think uh, I like the um, 
I can't remember the one that's called where they, they go into the basement and there's a piano playing like Moonlight Sonata. Uh, oh, what is it called? It's called Piano Lessons Can Be Murder. That's a good one. Oh, that's and, one of the uh, first ones. Say Cheese and Die, of course. Oh, Say Cheese and Die is classic, yeah. Of yeah and also just a, a A-plus cover. Great stuff. Um, <laughs> you wrote um, Mike Clevenger, people see you unranked, comes in, returns, three innings pitched, five Ks, solo shot to Colton Wong. Not bad. Um, looking to see him ramp up a little bit more, but luckily gets the Colorado Rockies in the road. Rocky Road next start. Yeah, I uh, 60 pitches. That's the main number from that start for me. He wasn't bad. Okay, expect 70 to 75. Cool. I mean, I can I can see myself putting him in the next tier, but because he's still not. We haven't really seen Mike Clevenger show up yet. Yeah. And I, I think we forgot what the ceiling is at this point. So get amped for Mike Clevenger. I mean, we... The slider has still been good. You know, we should be. It's just, we. I don't know, we forget. You, we used to have him in the top 10. I, um, I so. chose him over Zach Gallon and, and Noah Syndergaard as a keeper, so I'm still kicking myself a little bit that I didn't choose Gallon, but I, I might end up at you the end of the You might not be sad about that by the end of the year. Yeah, yeah. Shoot, could be thinking. good. Patrick Sandoval has not been no. great. Um, he has not a great start against Philly, giving up four walks, four Ks, two earned runs, four and two-thirds uh, innings. He has had one game in his last uh, six starts where he has walked fewer than three batters, and that was one against Oakland where he just gave up one. It was a great start, seven and a third with one walk, seven Ks, one earned run, four hits. But aside that, it's it's not been good. Although even with that, even with the blow up against Toronto, with just three innings pitched and five and runs, still a two point eight one ERA. What are you doing with Patrick Sandoval? Yeah, so I have a lot of thoughts about Patrick Sandoval, and I'm going to tell you about them right after this break. The hey, Alex Fast here, and thanks for listening to this podcast on the Pitcher List Podcast Network. If you're a fan, consider supporting all of us by getting a PL Plus subscription, where you're going to get an ad-free website and get access to our Discord, where you can talk to all of our podcast hosts and staff. Plus, you can hang out with our incredible Pitcher List community. It's basically a baseball sanctuary year-round for as low as $8 a month. You can sign up at pitcherlist.com backslash plus, and you're going to get your first month free with promo code podcast. Also, don't forget to check out everything else we do as well from YouTube videos, live streams, newsletters, off-season articles, TikToks, breakdowns, over 15 baseball podcasts on our network. We can't stop talking about baseball even during the off-season. So sign up for PL Plus today at pitcherlist.com backslash plus and use promo code podcast to get your first month free. All right. Thanks for listening. Let's get back to the show. Irish Panda, man. Ah, the Panada! 2.81 ERA, but a 131 whip this year. The biggest issue I'm seeing from Patrick Sandoval is the changeup is not showing up like it normally does. You're going to see over the course of the season a 24% strikeout or swing strike rate. But recently, six whiffs, one whiff, four whiffs, and it's forcing him to use the slider and four seamer more often. It's not enough. We need to see the changeup really take over because the question is, oh, changeup's supposed to be always great. How good are the forcing my slider going to be? The slider's actually stepped up, but I don't buy that Sandoval will be consistently good until I start seeing that changeup consistently good. That four-seamer gets crushed a lot. 438 average allowed, 447 Babbitt so far. Sure, it should come down, but it's not a good pitch. A 3% swinging strike rate this Mm. year. 
Patrick Sandoval has thrown 246 of them and has missed about eight bats. <laughs> it's really bad. That's insane. So, uh, yeah, not great. So you got to get that change it back. I hope it can over time. And it's not, you know, this isn't a death sentence. I put him at 43. He's still good. He's kind of where we had him in the preseason almost, if not even a little bit higher still. I, but yeah, he's got to get that change up back before I can push him back into tier six. Okay. Um, quick hit on Charlie Morton. He gives up four earned runs largely due to a really poor first in cores though, but records, I believe his highest strikeout, no second highest strikeout total Golden of the year. Goal. Yeah. So, but he still drops nine. That's pretty considerable. Yeah, so, okay. So the drop of nine was I had to raise Mackenzie Gore and Tony Gonsolin. Okay. Um, and they both went into tier six. Congrats to both of you guys. You've been a great. I don't think anybody is feeling terrible about rostering you. So there you go. Tier six. You also have Shane Boz. You have Mike Clevenger. You have Joe Ryan and Kershaw. That's innately six drop. All right. Six negative already. So I, I gave him a little bit of a drop ultimately. Um, and Charlie Morton, look, despite throwing a golden goal. Yeah. And it was cores. He still wasn't, you know, pulling it out. And like, it, it's, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta make it work. I mean, there's three straight starts of four and runs. I can't just sit here and continue to make excuses forever. It's a good indication, um, but hopefully that curveball can do that thing again. I mean, ten out of thirty uh, whiffs on the curveball for Charlie Morton. Hope that sticks around, but it's tough. Mm-hmm. Uh, it. Um, I was looking at Tyler Anderson as the next guy I want to talk about. He rises eight. He's currently at number fifty-one, and looking at what his pitch utilization is, right, and seeing, okay, well. Is there anything on a high level that he did that the Dodgers might have tweaked that made him start to have a little bit more success? So far this year, he's been very good with the 2.59 ERA, the highest K rate of his career at 24%, and the highest swinging strike rate of his career at 14.5%. And I was like, oh, he upped his changeup rate. It's about, uh, it's actually a little bit under a career high. The last time he threw his changeup that much was when he was with the Giants in that 2020 season, uh, which theoretically could have been better for him. It was shortened. He's still like a four ERA, but it is kind of funny to me that the two smartest pitching organizations that he's been so far, because he's been with uh, Colorado, San Francisco, Pittsburgh, Seattle, and now LA uh, have both tried to up that changeup usage. And so far the changeup has been, a plus for him in terms of whiffs. It's got a 27% swinging strike rate right now. Uh, that is quite good. Uh, and I believe it has a 109 Woba. Uh, it's been a very, very good pitch yeah. for him. He rises eight. What do you think about Tyler Anderson? I don't know if he's going to be able to go 10 whiffs a game on the change up moving forward. That That's really my biggest concern. He only had two of them against Arizona, and then he had 10 against the Nationals and the Mets. I mean, I think he's a sell high. Everyone is just rolling with Tyler Anderson. And no reason for you not to at the moment, but he's not going to hold, hold a 3% walk rate, right? I mean, that's just, that's not going to happen. Uh, it, it just all is good. He's still kind of a Toby. Uh, I don't think that the 48% O swing on his changeup is going to stick. He's never been above 40% on it. I think this is a guy really feeling that slow ball at the moment. That's awesome. Um, it, you just got to ask yourself, do I believe that it's going to always be that way? And I kind of say no. <laughs> That's really how I stand with uh, on uh, Tyler Anderson. So if you believe that it will, then sure, keep holding on. If you are like me and you don't think it will for the full year, then you should sell him. 
That was the worst endorsement of a guy that you rose eight spots. <laughs> well, I mean, like he, he's doing it now. So, and especially when yeah. you're around 50 uh, in the, in the ranks, it's like great. A guy who's killing it right now. That's, that's an awesome thing to have. Right. Yeah. Um, all right. Moving on to tier eight, Edward Cabrera, Spencer Strider, Rones Contreras and Alex Cobb. What's it called? Why is it called that? Oh, I, that was very quick. Um, this is recess. Cause I'm looking forward to it all day. Okay, very nice. Uh, Edward Cabrera, I don't blame you. Uh, that 96-mile-an-hour changeup, the fastest-recorded changeup whiff in history, uh, mm-hmm. changeup strikeout in history, that was un- that was unbelievable. Yeah, you were freaking out. Uh- <laughs> that was unbelievable. I mean, yeah, his, first five, cool. innings were, his yeah. first five innings were some of the most dominant pitching I've seen so far this year. Yeah, we were watching it um, as a group. Uh, it was really, really fun when I did my uh, partner stream. Oh, yeah, me, Twitch partner. And we did a whole streaming day on, on Wednesday last week. And, oh. uh, yeah, I got a little check now. That? I know. I don't tell you everything fast, okay? Oh, mazel. If you if only ask more. <laughs> Every uh, for the first two months, all I did was ask you, "Are you a Twitch partner yet?" And yeah, I, I, sure, I, I, sure. Um, Edward Cabrera rose so much because last this time last week he was going into cores and then was possibly not even starting until a week from Saturday. Mm-hmm. Um, but things have changed rapidly. Where Cabrera not only did well, he excelled inside of cores with nine strikeouts, and now he has a, another start uh, against the Nationals instead of the Astros as his next one. So instead yep. of becoming like a two-week stash, he's now someone you add now when you start against the Nationals. I don't know if that changeup is going to be that good. I don't I know if he can do it just with the fastball changeup because the breaking balls are not very good. At least they weren't in cores. But then again, that's cores. You don't know. Um, I'm curious what we're going to see against the Washington Nationals. Now, Spencer Strider, a guy who walks five, sort of survives cores, but just goes four innings as a result of those five walks, 87 pitches. He rises 18, though. Was, <laughs> was that you just saying, hey, he's at a cores? I believe in him moving forward? Well, it's two factors. Was last year, or last week, it was you don't want to start him in the first one because you don't know how many pitches going to go. I guessed 65 to 70, went 72. I was ugh, so close. And then he was going to cores. So it didn't feel like a week that you would want to get Strider now. And remember, this is tier eight moving on. I mean, this is the point of burn and churn coming, right? Mm-hmm. So guys move massively in the back half of the list. And you see that 18, you go, oh my God. But like, no, wait, hold on. That means he was at just 75 last week. Okay. Uh, and Strider, 87 pitches in that game against Coors. So mm-hmm. moving forward, fully stretched out now. Yeah, he didn't have a high strike rate on either his breaking ball or his fastball inside of core. It's still at only one hour run. And now moving forward, should be in a much better position to excel. Feels like a guy that's just going to stay in the Atlanta rotation moving forward. So, yeah, I want to take a chance on Strider in every league. Are you starting uh, Rowan Z. Contreras uh, coming off his best start uh, against the Atlanta Braves? Yes, because Atlanta's actually not very good against right-handers. Oh, okay. There you go. Um, <laughs> let's move on to, I mean, I, I was very excited about that start as someone who rosters him. Uh, let's move on to the next tier here, which is tier nine. Drew Rasmussen, Nick Pavetta, John Gray, Marcus Stroman, Noah Syndergaard, Trevor Rogers, Tyler Molly, Alex Wood, Ian Anderson, and Steven Strasburg. What's it called? Why is it called that? This call is called, uh, I got to think of one pawn stars okay because um <laughs> because you don't know how fake it is 
<laughs> and everybody knows them. Yeah. That, so speaking of the person who this is probably named after, Noah Syndergaard, because it's looking like it's pretty fake and <laughs> everyone certainly knows him. It has not been a uh, a very good stretch for him. I mean, it, uh, a really, really good start against Texas, right? Eight or uh, eight innings with one and run, no walks, five Ks. And then, man, just can't even get out of the third against the Yankees. Harkens back to another rough start where he only gets 1K going two-thirds of an inning against Texas. It just seems super herky-jerky and inconsistent. Is that playing into you dropping him down 18, or what else do you see? Yeah, I I, I think the number is really harsh um, here. It just really means I moved him from Tier 7 to Tier 9 because Tier 8 is reserved for like the exciting stuff. Um, and... You know, it's not that Noah Syndergaard is necessarily bad, um, but I think we are seeing the expected aggression of a guy that throws sinker changeup, essentially, where the slider is not what it used to be. Slider mm. this year has an 8% swinging strike rate. Oh, boy. Yeah, uh, that used to be a 26% in 2018. <laughs> um, so, yeah, not not what you want uh, from Noah Syndergaard. And I don't really buy that the sinker is this you know excellent offering. I don't think that's going to have a 104 batting average through the year. Uh, I don't think that his changeup is exceptional at a 23% uh, CSW. And the four-seamer is a sub-10% swing strike rate. I mean, it's just all not, you know, a super special thing. I kind of see him as a Toby moving forward. And there's nothing necessarily wrong with that. Hmm. Uh, but anyone that is expecting close to a 25% strikeout rate and a stellar ERA or so, like, ah, no. But he's going to get quality starts. He's going to help. And this is why he's right next to Marcus Stroman. Um, he's, he's fine. Um, are you uh, there's, I don't believe that you can correct me if I'm wrong. I don't think there's any firm date in which Steven Strasburg is going to make his start, but it looks like it could be against the Brewers on Saturday. Yes. Um, if that is the case, is that a still ill for you or you're trusting that he's going to be fine? Well, it's possible. It's that one against the Brewers. It could also be on Thursday against the Miami Marlins. Uh, I am so tempted, but no, I think you have to still ill this one. Mm-hmm. Um, Strasburg has not been good for many years at this point. Yeah. And we've had good indications from the rehab starts, but I really think it's not something you want to start right away. That said, uh, I have Strasburg at the end of this tier of tier nine because it's right at the threshold of, okay, is it really worth it to chase upside or not? When you get to tier 10, you're really getting into Toby tiers. And there's arguments to be made like, no, no, you should be rostering Adam Wainwright or mm. Carlos Carrasco ahead of Strasburg. And that's totally fair. Uh, I can also see those guys as the last man in your rotation where you have, you kind of always want to have one floating spot mm. and Strasburg could fill that really easily. So it, it's pretty close there for me, but I think you should grab him in every league. I want to see how that start goes and then make a decision from there. Uh, let's move on to the next tier here, which is a tier 10. Um, no, excuse me. Oh, yeah, tier 10. Yeah, uh, tier 10. 71 through 76, Carlos Carrasco, Zach Eflin, Adam Wainwright, Jose Arquiti, Marco Gonzalez, and Bailey Ober. What's it called, and why is it called that? This is my heart will go on because these guys are played out. Um, wow. You, you wow. would laugh, but you were yawning. Uh, I know, I, I, which is also such an uncomfortable feeling. You like got me mid yawn. I was like, oh, <laughs> like my like soft palate cramped. Uh, yeah, like, I heard like a gust, a little gust oh, from your mouth. Yeah. Yeah. 
I, I I would like to um there there was a this is still pretty PG. There was an analysis done of I think it was James Harden. It was either James Harden or Russell Westbrook. Their performance uh in a basketball. Oh yeah, game. it was James Harden after they go to a club. Yeah. Yeah, after they go to a strip club, and it was yeah. what the performance was going to be. And I want to know if the same is true for Zach Eflin and his curveball CSW. And if it's over 40 or over 35. He'll get a rise, and if it's under thirty-five, then he'll drop because That's you're funny. back at it again. Yeah. So because athlete. you want to know why? Why three straight starts now of at least twenty percent curveball usage? Hmm. Three straight, and he's good in two out of three of them. Yeah, very good. And that's something to note. So I brought him up to seventy-two. Do I okay. know that this is going to be the thing forever now? No, but all right, you get back to seventy-two. I know. I I was actually saying on the stream today. I think Zach Eflin's the one I've moved around the most of any pitcher, oh, without a doubt. I'm maybe in the <laughs> history of the list, to be honest. Maybe in the it's like of the list. it's a rubber band between seventy and ninety-five or whatever. He he is the true rubber band man. He is the antithesis of Jose Barrios. Wild there as the Taliban. What? Rubber band man. Wild as a Taliban. Nine in my right, forty-five in my other hand. What is that from? It's, it's Ti. It's fine. What is going on in this podcast? Quoting <laughs> Ti, you're talking about waterboarding. What is happening here? Um, there are not many. There are. I. I. I I'm not Sarah Langs. I am not as smart and talented as Sarah Langs, but I do not know if there has ever been an instance in Major League history in which a pitcher has gone from throwing ten strikeouts to literally zero strikeouts. But it didn't matter. He still went seven innings pitched with two earned runs, two walks, nine Ks. Talking about Adam Wainwright, who coming into that game, I'm not sure if this is still the case, led all of baseball in getting called strikes. That is (laughs) unbelievable. He has been a called strike machine. And here he is at the list at number 73. What do you think about Adam Wainwright? Yeah, so I had a feeling earlier on in the year that uh this was kind of it you know um after that uh game against the brewers i was just kind of reflecting on adam wainwright in the fact that he had only 12 strikeouts across his previous four games combined and i mean you can even say 19 in six games which is just rough that's you know just over three per start there and I kind of thought, yeah, maybe this is getting played out now. What does he do? He goes two starts of two earned runs combined in 14 innings with 10 strikeouts, right? Even though all of them are against the Padres. Um, I don't love the fact that he still had 11 base runners in that game against the Cubs. Mm-hmm. And the fact that he wasn't able to strike anyone out, uh, which is absolutely shocking. Uh, yes, it is the Cardinal defense. And that's why he's in Toby tier right now. I mean, this really is just like, you know. Here they are. They all have the same quality start badge. Um, yeah. By the way, Bailey Ober is 76. I think 15 minutes after I published it, he went on the IL. So mm-hmm. didn't know. Um, just how it goes. Um, but Marco Gonzalez is here. Jose Arquiti, who's not really doing a lot. Carlos Carrasco is kind of just like, all right, sometimes I'm going to have my change up in slider. Some days I'm not. Ta-da. So I, uh, yeah, Adam Wainwright, I mean, you could do worse than Adam Wainwright every week. It's just not, uh, I don't think he's going to send and keep this sub three year right through the year. He's a fun guy to keep at the back end of your rotation to keep it stable. I dig it. Yeah, that's what Toby is, baby. Tier 11, Mike Lorenzen, Garrett Whitlock, Graham Ashcraft, Brady Singer, Hunter Green. What's it called and why is it called that? Oh, right. Uh, This. (laughs) Look what I found at the beach. (laughs) 
All those categories really coming through for you. Uh, no, that's not a category thing. <laughs> I was like, okay. All right. Why is it called that? It's because like the, it's the new shiny toy. It's the new mom. I got myself a Graham Ashcraft. <laughs> okay. You know who I call? Do you know my nickname for Graham Ashcraft? No. What? Smoky cheese. Smoky cheese. Why? Ashcraft. And he throws cheese. Ash oh, okay. is smoky and craft yeah. cheese. Oh, okay, okay. But it's with a C, but okay, I'm with you. I'm, I'm Thanks, with you. Fast. Thanks for I clarifying like... that you spell Ash craft with it. <laughs> <laughs> so he jumps up 21. Yeah. Is this just because, I mean, a nice start, seven innings pitch, one and run, one walk, five Ks, and four hits uh, against the Nationals. He ends up picking up 11 whiffs with the majority of those being on his slider. Yeah. Um, is that what the slider is what has you really amped about okay uh, and so so i put him at 100 last week like oh you have a fun 100 i'm like i got you buddy Mm -hmm. so the story then if you listen to last week's podcast because you're great um was look graham ashcraft is not a finished product right now his slider is not getting enough strikes but he throws a sinker and a cutter each at 97 miles per hour and if he has that slider that batters need to respect then all of a sudden the game changes here and he will be effective because batters can't just lock into the timing of 97. They will have to respect 84. Right. Mm -hmm. And that's pretty cool. So it wasn't even the six whiffs of 27 on the slider. It was a fact that he threw a ton of strikes with it and 20 out of 27 strikes with your slider makes everything else work really well. All of a sudden now he has 10, you know, called strikes on his cutter there. He gets a lot of outs with it. You know, five for five and balls in play on a sinker because guys are just not linking up with the pitches like they normally would, right? Yeah. And that's the difference maker. I don't know if Graham Ashcraft is going to have that slider, though. That was one out of three starts we've seen thus far. Yeah. But if he does, if this is something that's consistent, that he's able to have a 70% strike rate with a slider, uh, yeah, this is going to be great. Uh, So he's someone in that tier 11 with everyone else who's kind of fun, you have Michael Lorenzen who, hey, maybe the nine strikeouts, even though the batter and runs. Maybe Garrett Whitlock doesn't fan zero batters. <laughs> I don't know. Mm-hmm. And Brady Singer, a sinker, slider, and Hunter Green, you know, all that stuff. Here's Graham Ashcraft, but maybe that can work. If it doesn't, though, it could be pretty bad. So high risk, high reward. Yeah, I so I mean... I imagine there really is no question about whether or not you're starting him against Arizona. That's easy. Are you waiting to see how he does against Arizona to see how he would fare potentially against the Cardinals? Yeah. Cardinals are really hot right now. Mm -hmm. Like they're crushing it. Yeah. Uh, So you want to be a little bit careful there. Yeah. Okay. Um, All right. Moving on to the next tier here, tier 12, big old tier 82 through 94. Miles Michaelis, Dane Dunning, Merrill Kelly, Cal Quantrill, Yusei Kikuchi, Connor Pilkington, Chris Flexen, Paul Blackburn, Corey Kluber, Alex Fajardo, Madison Bumgarner, Kyle Gibson, and Jacob Junis. What's it called? Why is it called that? You know, I was, I was, I actually had a really good one for this and I'm just going to simplify it. And I'm going to, this is my most controversial I uh, tier name I think that I've ever done. I'm waiting. I uh, 80s music. 80s music because okay. it's it's mu- it's still music but it's the worst decade of music. Worst decade of yeah. music. Yeah, since the 60s. Like starting in 1960 it's since the worst the si- Oh, oh, yeah. beginning in the 60s. Beginning in 1960s. Yeah. The song the 80s, that you listen one. to every single is, time is, fr- is from the 80s. I know. It's from the 80s. So, 
I'm talking about volume. I'm talking about just like the vibe of it. I am someone who doesn't like punk. I'm also someone that really doesn't like synths for the most part. I know know the instrumental section of Toto has synths. I understand. Mm -hmm. But I think it's pulled songwriting in a direction that I just don't vibe with. And that's just me. And I know it's the most controversial. I don't expect you to agree. I think you're going to call me stupid. But here's the tier. I never called you stupid and I never will. Oh, well, that's lovely fast. You're stupid. Anyway, but, and but you are, you're an idiot. <laughs> Purple Rain, beat it. Uh, I'm not uh, saying there uh, isn't any good music. Modern Love by David I'm saying Bowie. That, I'm not saying there isn't any good music. This is what I'm wanna... trying to get at. That's the whole point of it. It's still music and I enjoy a lot of it. Like in this tier, I will enjoy a lot of the starts from these guys, but it's not my favorite. It's my least favorite decade of music. I'm a guy that loves music fast. One of them has to be my least favorite. I don't think you love music. <laughs> I don't think you love music. What's the worst decade? What's the worst decade? The worst decade for music? Since the 60s. Since the 60s. Yeah. I You're going to say I the 80s, too. No, no, no. I'm not going to say the 80s. I would probably say it's like the 2000s. Yeah. I, I had a feeling you'd say that. Too many of my favorite bands were going on in the in 2000s. And also, you had a, you had a lot more interesting like as far as a like, guitar land goes all of a sudden some things got really good you know people started pushing it more and more and more and i thought that was great and then also the production value oh my god the production value of songs in the production in, in, value in, production value peaked at steely dan and it's only been worse since <laughs> uh, steely dan good old asia yeah you your dad knows your dad would tell you no one oh i know i know he's he's one of the biggest fans of asia i know so in this land of crappy 80s music, who is Connor <laughs> I did not Pilkington? Say that word. Who is Connor Pilkington? Yeah, Connor Pilkington is uh Ride the Lightning. <laughs> okay. All right. Okay. Um kind of pretty exciting at the time. Um no he has two starts this week, Rangers and Athletics. He just struck out eight against the Royals, showcasing they can take care of a weak offense. That could work. I was going to say, stop me if you've heard this before. It's a Cleveland Guardian with a subpar fastball and some good breaking pitches. Yeah, right? The changeup is the pitch, yeah. Changeup is the pitch for him. Um, I, 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 Is there anyone else you want to talk about this year? Because I'm still, honestly, I'm still stuck on you calling a majority <laughs> I knew, of princes. Look, I said it, and I knew. Uh, you say Kikuchi um, he has a nice schedule this week, but I'm not buying what he's doing. Uh, I wasn't last week. I still am not. I think we saw a lot of that weakness against the Twins. Alex Fayedo is kind of worth a decent stream. Um, has a terrible name, but a lovely slider. What does that and mean? Fayedo. I mean, oh, sorry. Sure. <laughs> Where are all the Knicks on this list? Let's just. Uh, them. I, are they? I mean, it's just Pavetta at this just point. Pavetta. Lodolo's gone. Uh, <laughs> Unreal. Uh, but yeah, that's that's all I wanted to say about this tier. All right. Oh, Dane Dunning's um, command is all right. How about that? That's pretty good. Dane Dunning's command is all right. Yeah. Wait. Um. I. I. Uh, what about what Jacob Junis? I mean, I. I think bad. Jim, bad start next, and I don't want to start uh, again. I think it's the. That's uh, like the Dodgers, or it's it's a bad one. I don't know, man. That was. I, I think he deserves a little bit more respect. I don't think you should be this low considering the success that he just had uh, uh, against the the Marlins. Um. I don't want to start him against the Dodgers, so he's down here. God, the I think he's, like I was able, I was able to stream him. I was able to stream him against the Marlins. 
and I, I don't want to start him against the Dodgers. In which league? I oh no, my streaming pick of the day fast. Oh, oh okay. Because uh, I streamed him against Sunday and I lost by one RBI and it makes me very upset. Um, one RBI. Just be better fast. Just be better. Um, tier 13, the final tier, Chad Cool, Kyle Bradish, Josea uh, <laughs> Gray, Cole Irvin, Zach Plezak, and Matt Swarmer. What's it called and why is it called that? Jose Gray. <laughs> oh, bring me to Josiah. <laughs> uh, this one, what is this category? No, all right. I, uh, this one is called, um, oh, I potted plant mm. because, you know, they're just trying to help. <laughs> they just try to, they try to like, just be there, be like, Hey, I'm a plant and I'm trying to make your decorum better. And you're like, but are you? And you're like, yeah, I'm like, okay, that that's why. Yeah. There, there it is. That's tier 13. Is there any way on, I love the, the picture list. I, I use it now for all my analytics stuff, but is, I don't think there's a way right now to see just pure whiffs. How many whiffs start by start? Oh, you can go into pitch results. Go into pitch results. And then where is the swinging strike rate? And then percentages. In parentheses. parentheses is the amount of whiffs uh, on that pitch. But on that pitch, I'm talking about total whiffs. Total whiffs. Oh, I see um standard should not have it uh i guess not i mean you can quickly total that one so what do you want to see i wanted to see uh, how about uh did he have he had to have had more whiffs in this game against baltimore than any other game this season oh i see you can click in pitch details to see total whiff total so like i uh, and who's he Josiah. Zach, sorry, I didn't even say who I was talking about. I was talking about Zach Plezak, who's number nine. Uh, yeah. he, he, he returns. He goes. So click on the row. Innings. If you click on any yeah. row, you get all the pitch details, and you'll see. I know, I know, but I can't see. 13. I can see he had thirteen whiffs, but I can't see it unless I click, click. all of them. If thirteen, yeah, is click all thirteen, eight, yeah. eleven, six, thirteen was against the White Sox on May 9th. Uh, um, and that is yes, yeah, so we matched this season high. Match the season high. It was a really good start. His slider looked super good. Um, maybe Zach Plezak can find some old form and continue to rise, or are you really not buying this? You know, his changeups went 13 for 13 strikes against the Royals and then 15 for 17 in this last, 15 for 16 against the Orioles. He's throwing in the zone and he's getting strikes on his changeup suddenly. That's a very important part because he wasn't really having this changeup work at all this year. Now all of a sudden he's jumped up his strike rate, allowing the slide as a 21% swing strike rate again. Oh man, that could be a recipe for success. So I'm a little excited. I think he gets Detroit next, and that's maybe a very sneaky stream this week. Very nice. Let's bring it out with number 100, Mr. Ministry of Silly Walks himself, Matt <laughs> Swarmer. Yeah, I feel like I want to do all these StarCraft jokes like for the swarm. Um, that's all, that's all I want to do. His slider has been excellent. 10 slider whiffs in that debut against the Brewers and then 13 against the Cardinals the last time out. Look, the sliders continue to do that. He's interesting. I don't think his fastball is very good at all, but there may be something to be done or maybe something to be said about how he's releasing the slider and making it look very deceptive with that fastball that has made it work. And he does have high intent with that four seamer as he is elevating a decent amount. So Maybe that's all right. Uh, and maybe that works out. So he's at 100. 
It's interesting because his next start is against the Yankees. Yeah, I don't like it. I don't like it, but I want an interesting pitcher at 100. So for no, you. No, but what kind of stinks though is if his slider does fantastic, then you're fighting all over the waiver wire for him. Uh, you know what sure. I mean? If he dominates New York, but Saturday's kind of nice because your matchup maybe is a little bit close to being determined. Probably your ratios are. Yeah, so you love that. That's player. like your favorite thing. I love it, man. You know what you're going to get. unless If it's not close, you, you usually know by Friday or Saturday, like, okay, I had two blowups. I'm not in the running for ratio. Let me just go for right. Hayes. He could be a fun guy to pursue there. Yeah. Um, Nick, we did it. Uh, you are probably listening to this on Tuesday. If you are and it's before uh, 10 p.m. Eastern, come join Nick and I on the yes. baseball podcast. We are going to be streaming it live. We're going to be talking about baseball. We're going to try and have some special guests. It's going to be a blast, but... That's going to do it for episode number 327 of On the Court of the official PitcherList.com podcast. I'm your host, Alex Fast. And I'm Nick Pollock, and we'll talk to you guys next week.